You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. It's great to see you guys this morning. Um, just while the kids go now, if you want to go to Psalm uh, 13, and we'll be going there in a minute. So uh, this morning I want to take you to Qatar in the year 2022 for the World Cup semi-final. England are playing Scotland. (laughs) That's uh, wishful thinking, isn't it? Because neither team are likely to get to the semi-finals of the World Cup, but uh, you never know. Now, before the game, the atmosphere is fantastic. It's electric. I mean, the Tartan army, they always take a load of joy with them wherever they go anyway. And the English fans are behaving themselves for once. And they're just really excited for this amazing blockbuster of a game. Uh, And this kind of vocal exuberance continues well into the game. You can imagine what it's like, the singing, the the shouting, the, the cheering on each other's teams, and maybe not a little bit of banter between the two sides as well. You've got, it's coming home from one side. It's coming home. And the other side, you've got, oh, flower of Scotland. Send them marching home again. (laughs) And even when the game is 84 minutes in and England are up one nil. can't shut the Tartan army up. They're excited to be there. They don't care. They're just singing out anyway. But then in the 85th minute, the unthinkable happens. Penalty to Scotland. (laughs) 1-1. Disaster. And suddenly, for the next few frantic minutes as the England team desperately try to seek the goal to clinch their way into the final. Half of the stadium is stunned into silence, while the other half sing all the more loudly, taunting, you only sing when you're winning. (laughs) It can be the same for us, can't it? Sometimes we can feel as though we're not winning in life, uh, and we, we're reluctant perhaps to have a whistle you know, in our step in the morning or to have a, a song on our heart as we move forward. If we're facing difficulty or uncertainty, or maybe we're being threatened in some way or by something, or maybe there's disease or, or sin or hurt or death. And I think particularly at this moment in time, there are circumstances around the world, and actually the coronavirus is just one of those circumstances, but there are circumstances around the world which are causing anxiety and worry. And in some places and in some ways, that is creeping in and filtering into the church. And what I want us to know is that we can still sing in the midst of all of that. That circumstances should never limit or inhibit our voice of worship. Ever. Ever. And while singing may not change the circumstances, it will change the way in which we face those circumstances. It will change the way that we approach circumstances. It will change the way in which we go through 
circumstances. And I'm just going to pray. Father, today we come to you as a heavenly Father who gives good things. And we ask that you would pour out upon us a blessing of joy and trust. Lord, in, in the midst of uncertainty, whether that's on a personal level or on a global level, we trust you. And I pray that that trust and that faith would increase in our hearts this morning. Lord, that you would meet us where we are, where there is anxiety, that you would bring peace. Where there is worry, that you would bring reassurance. Where there is sickness, that you would bring healing. And where we're battling and struggling with sin, Lord, that you would remind us of the weight of it being placed on Jesus' shoulders and forgiven us. Help us to walk in freedom this morning for your purposes, God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, my Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. I will sing of the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Thank you, Lord. The how long. We have all been in this place of the, the how long. We've all experienced what the how long means. It, it might have been the how long when you were waiting to meet the person that you would marry or maybe still are. It, it might have been the how long when you were waiting for your job situation to change. It might be the how long is it in between this frictious relationship that I have with somebody that I was once close with. How long is my marriage going to be in difficulty? How long, oh Lord, am I going to find that I'm, I'm petrified of everything around me? How long am I going to be ill? How long, how long, how long is is this going to go on for? Isn't this quite similar if you know your Bibles quite well? If not, don't worry. But if you know your Bibles, it's very similar to Habakkuk chapter 1. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Uh, it's a cry for help that seems to be either unheard or ignored. Uh, and perhaps sometimes within the how long, you felt that either God hasn't heard you, somehow your prayers aren't getting further than the ceiling. Or you feel that he's heard you and he's just ignoring you. The circumstances of the how long can have a million different variations. They're as individual and, and unique as we are in our own characters and in our own features. It can be from the impatient kind of frustration, like a kid in the back of the car. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? To the desperate, rescue me. 
rescue me. And in the waiting, there can be anguish. And in the waiting, there can be discomfort. And in the waiting, there can be uncertainty. And in the waiting, there can be frustration. But in whatever variation, the the how long is inevitable for every person who has ever lived. We will all say at some point, if not say, we will think it, how long, Lord? My how long that I ask him is how long, Lord, before you return? Because the prayer, the one word prayer on my lips most of the time is Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Because if Jesus comes, COVID-19 is done and dusted. If Jesus comes, Brexit is null and void. If, if Jesus comes, my financial situation is no longer a problem. If Jesus comes, the, the relationships that are fragmented don't matter anymore. If Jesus comes, the illness that I'm carrying, the pain that I feel in my body is, no longer matters. And the tears that I've cried, if Jesus comes, are going to be picked up and held by him. Amen. Faithfully. Just as a side note, though, I do pray that. And yet, if I'm honest, I pray it with a little reluctance because I want Jesus to come back. But I want my sister to know him. I want my little brother to know him. I want my friends to know him before he comes. But still, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. What, how long are you facing? The psalmist, his how longs in this psalm. Firstly, how long will you forget me? How long, God, will you forget me? He feels like God has just forgotten that he's even existing. How insignificant am I that, that God doesn't even care? He doesn't even ken that I'm alive right now. How long will you forget me? Listen, Isaiah 49 Chapter 15, uh, sorry, verse 15 says this. Can a mother forget her baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. It's harder for God to forget you than it is for a mother to forget to nurse her child. It's more difficult for God to forget you than that. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands, your walls are ever before me. Eddie, God has engraved your name on the palm of his hand. He is not going to forget you. The second complaint of the psalmist is, how long will you hide your face from me? And actually in Hebrew context, this is understood as, how long are you going to be angry with me, God? So here is this guy feeling like he's forgotten by God, and perhaps that linked, that's linked to the fact that he feels that God is angry with him. How long are you going to be angry with me, God? Uh, to give you an example, in Deuteronomy 31, it says this, And in that day I will become angry with them and forsake them. I will hide my face from them, and they will be destroyed. That was God. That's in the Bible. He said that. So perhaps this guy's worried that God is angry with him. Are you worried about that? Are you maybe worried that God's perhaps angry with you? But listen to Romans 5 verse 9. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more 
shall we be saved from God's wrath through him. Because all of that anger, God's angry with sin. He hates it. Sin is a destroyer. Sin is disgusting. Sin kills us. And God hates, he has a complete unadulterated hatred for sin in any form. And we tend to think that, that rape and murder and things like that, those are the sins that are despicable, disgusting, and unthinkable. And yet we think little lies here and there, or a little bit of gossip here and there is probably okay. God hates sin. He hates it. And actually, God does hate when we sin. But the wrath part of that hatred has been poured out on Jesus. So that now you can know that God is not angry with me here and now if I am in Christ and Christ in me. Because that wrath has been placed upon Jesus. Listen, you can't talk about the goodness of God unless you're prepared to talk about the wrath of God. Because the wrath of God makes the goodness all the more good. The fact that it is there... The fact that God hates sin and that he must answer it. He must deal with it. He has to. He's not God if he doesn't. He's not righteous. He's not just if he doesn't deal with sin. But he deals with it in planting it on Jesus' shoulders so that I can go free. So is God angry with me? No. Because he poured that out on Jesus. How great the pain of searing loss. The father turns his face away. If you don't write anything else down or keep anything in your mind today, bear this. That because of God's wrath against sin, we see all the more his goodness and his love towards us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how great his love is. The third thing that the psalmist says in his how longs is, how, how long will I wrestle with my thoughts and have sorrow in my heart? This isn't physical at this moment in time. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, the way that we feel about things can be overpowering. Uh, and, and actually the reality that we have in our head seems like it's an absolute reality. And yet it's not always or even not often as disastrous as we feel the thing to be. But he is in turmoil, emotional turmoil that is stronger than the circumstances that he's actually facing. How long, God, will you let me wrestle with anxiety and turmoil? How long? And then he says, how long will the enemy triumph? How long will I be defeated? How long will these circumstances beat me down and like a warrior keep its foot upon my neck to hold my face into the ground? How long will my enemies triumph over me? That's how he's feeling. Maybe you can relate to one of those things. Now, my question is, I've got two questions for you. Firstly, what do you do in the how long? What do you do in the how long? My second question is this, what can you do in the how long? Because it's no good me just saying, what do you do? What should you do? What can you do? How can you get out of that? Here's my answer. Sing like you're winning. 
Sing like you're winning. We're not talking about fake it until you make it. That's, that's not it. What we're talking about is I will worship. I will turn my eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. I will sing. I will pour praise from my lips, even when I don't feel like it, even when my circumstances are dictating a different kind of thing. I will vocalise my trust. I will vocalise my praise. I will vocalise my adoration. I will vocalise that God is good and that he is above my circumstances. No matter the storm, he is Lord over the storm. And I will trust him. That's what we're going to do. Sing like we're winning. When should we sing? All the time. I mean it, all the time. In every season, in every circumstance, but particularly in difficulty, we sing and we should do it all the time. The psalmist's conclusion in Psalm 13 is a firm resolve, I will sing. Every fiber, full intention, complete interaction, I will sing every circumstance, all the time, sometimes loudly, sometimes silently, but all the time, sing. And why should we sing, though? Why is singing the thing? Why not just speak? Why not just say, I will trust you? Why not just say, I will worship you? Why sing I haven't got this in my notes, but God's given us beauty in our voices for a reason. He's made there be a difference between shouting, talking, whispering, and singing. <laughs> That's embarrassing. I'll cut that out of the air. <laughs> God's done that for a reason. Now, we might have different levels of beauty of voice, you know. That's okay. God doesn't care. It's all beautiful to him. You don't have to be a fantastic opera singer or, you know, like a, a wonderful voice like Ian's or Eddie's. You don't have to have that. Because God's given beauty to your voice anyway. Even if you're completely tone deaf, you can still sing. And it's still beautiful to God. 100%. So why should we sing? We should sing because it turns our eyes away from ourselves and our surroundings. And it places them firmly upon him. It literally changes our perspective as we sing. And it does it in a way that doesn't quite happen the same way when we're just talking about it. Because there's, there's an emotion, heart level of interaction involved in it as well. It's not just academic when we sing. There's something deeper than that going on that God has given us. And in a couple of weeks' time, I'll talk about the fact that this is a gift from God because it's a gift that God outworks upon you, that he sings. God sings. Surprise, surprise, we're, we're created in his image. It's, it's no surprise then that we would have something of his characteristic embedded in us. A desire to sing. We also sing because it encourages others around us. That's why we sing. This morning, as I stopped singing for a minute, I'm not contradicting myself here, I stopped singing because I just could hear this wall of sound around me as people lifted up their voices, declaring that they would trust him. You give and take away, my heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. This isn't simply the power of positive thought. Positive thought on its own is limited and weak. 
It might be a psychological tool that they use, but it has limitations. Positive thought on its own is limited and weak. Everyone, no matter how upbeat a disposition they have, will have a limit if they're just trying to be positive about things. How, however long you, you ride that wave, at some point that wave is going to crash. Rather, the positivity of our thought has to be fixed on a sure foundation. Something greater, something more powerful, something more real than the present reality. So, so positive thought is powerful. And, and actually the Bible does say that. Whatever things, think on good things. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, think on these things. Lift your eyes up to heaven. Consider things that are above, not things that are down here. And that's a, a repositioning of our attention. And, and yes, in a way, that's a positive thought. It's, it's saying, I'm not going to be negative. I'm going to turn it to positivity. But it's not aimless positivity, like I'm just going to try and be happier. It's focused upon a sure anchor. And, and we sing not because singing releases endorphins, but because the subject matter, the focus of our singing is great. Because... God has dealt bountifully with me. This psalm, that's the ESV way it closes this psalm. God has dealt with me bountifully. You know what bounty is? It's when you find amazing treasure. It's when you're Robinson Crusoe on an island and you, and you find this chest of just invaluable treasures. That's bounty. And God has dealt bountifully with us. There's not a limit to his goodness to us. He is good. He is good. How should we sing? So we've said why should we sing? We've said when should we sing? How should, uh, how should we sing? Full throttle. No inhibitions. No reservation. Pump it out. Heart. Body. Spirit. Everything. Praise you with everything that I've got. Now, you might notice that I'm fairly animated. <laughs> Would you believe me if I said that when I'm praising in this church, I'm reserved? Because when I'm on my own, when I really feel the Spirit of God move on me and praise, honestly, I wouldn't want any of you to see me. <laughs> I want to let rip. I want to go to the top of King's seat when nobody's about and just declare how great thou art. I want to fly around like Julie Andrews, spinning around in the hills that are alive with praise to his glory. That's, that's who I want to be. And do, do you know the thing that breaks my heart the most about myself is that when I see somebody do that, aban completely abandoned to praise, my heart judges them. And I think, well, oh, you need a bit of decorum. <laughs> Why? Why do I judge them? I judge them because I'm jealous, because I have not got that level of freedom myself. That's why I find it hard when I see somebody just going for it, full throttle. Sing anywhere, sing everywhere, sing together, sing alone, sing loudly, sing silently. If you have no song, there's a problem there. And, and you need to ask God to reveal what that might be. If there's no song, 
if there's no desire to sing. And when I say sing, it can be just in your heart. My heart just soars when I'm coming into the presence of God. And every time we come into the presence of God, that, that is a natural reaction. Anyone that says that emotions aren't, don't have their place in church is talking junk. God gave you your emotions. We need to control them and our emotions lie to us. You know, our feelings aren't the best measure of things. That's why we need a firm foundation. But God is involved in our emotions and it's not wrong to respond with actual love, a feeling of love as well as an action of love. It's not wrong. Does it matter what we sing? Within reason, no, it doesn't. Within reason. You know, you're not going to go singing, I did it my way. <laughs> that's, that's not worship. That's saying, actually, that's the opposite of worship. That's self-worship. That's saying, stuff you, God. I'm going to do this the way that I want to do it. That's rebelliousness. That's sin. Does it matter? Listen, anything that takes the attention from our fears and our problems and ourselves and our idols and refocuses our attention on God is worth singing. Regardless of whether the song is a thousand years old or whether it was written yesterday. Regardless of its style, whether it's got a modern style or whether it's plain song or whether it's choral or whether it's X, Y or Z, regardless of that, regardless of whether the first word is I or you, because to say I raise a hallelujah is not a self-focused song. It's actually pushing away from myself. It starts with me and saying, I'm here, and now I'm going to push out to you, God, and say, I'm raising a hallelujah. So it doesn't matter whether the first word of the song is I or you. Regardless of whether it's jam-packed with wordy theology or not, there are songs that are rich, that are wonderful, that teach us as we praise God through them, that instruct us as we praise. And there are other songs that just say, God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you are so good. You're so good to me. Both valid. Regardless of whether it's repetitious. Have you read Psalm 136? Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. Repetition is a good thing. So, as long as the song takes our attention from ourselves, takes our attention from our circumstances, takes our attention from our fears, takes our attention from our idols, and places them back to the throne room of heaven, that is a song worth singing. Sing until it becomes like breathing, until it's a natural overflow of a life held close to the king. And most importantly, we should sing even if. Even if I don't feel like it. Even if I don't feel like I'm winning. Even if I, I, I don't feel that I'm being honest. You know, I, I've sometimes not sung words on the screen because I thought that's not honestly where I am right now. But I, th I think sometimes we need to lead our hearts with our voice. And, and so it becomes honesty. Because in truth, that would probably take out 60 or 70% of what we sing. If I say, oh, I don't feel like that right now. I don't know if that's true for me right now. 
I don't know if I trust God in that way, so I won't sing I will trust. No, I, I sing I will trust because it plants my heart to follow my voice. And so we, we must sing I will trust you alone. We must sing God, you're so good. We must sing, come thou fount of every blessing. Even if we don't feel particularly blessed at this moment in time. To go back to Habakkuk, chapter 3, he says this, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stools, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful In God my Saviour, there is a choice here. His heart is going to follow his voice. You make a declaration, you follow that declaration. I resolve firmly that I am going to worship. So as I come to wrap up, singing is so important to the church. So important to the kingdom. It's such a blessing, such a wonderful gift to have, such an encouragement, such a vehicle of praise and adoration. We don't need to worry about only singing when we're winning. And actually, we don't have to worry about singing like we're winning. That's only to adjust our feeling on it, because sometimes we feel like we're losing. Actually, let me tell you this this morning, in Christ, we are always winning. No matter what. COVID-19, take 30% of this town. God's still good. Brexit gets completely muddled and ruined and we all, you know, all our savings and pensions take a nosedive. God's still good. We're still winning in Christ. If, if this town uh, and, and this community and this, this country uh, and if the secular forces around our councils and governments push in all the more and force us out as they, much as they can, we're still winning in Christ. We're still winning. And every time that we're winning and we know we're winning, it's worth singing it. So as I close, I'm just going to read you from Jeremiah 33. And it says this. This is what the Lord says. You say about this place, it is a desolate waste without people or animals. Maybe you're speaking something like that over your life at the minute. You see desolation. You see a poverty of whatever sort, whether that's financial or otherwise. And yet the towns of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem that are deserted, inhabited by neither people nor animals, there will be heard once more the sound of joy and gladness. The voices of bride and bridegroom and the voices of those who are bringing thank offerings to the house of the Lord, saying, give thanks to the Lord God Almighty, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. For I will restore the fortunes of the land as they were before, says the Lord. Receive that today. The years that the locusts have eaten in your life, God is going to restore that. If you've had a Job encounter with God, that's not going to be forever. It might be for a time, but he is going to restore. He is going to pay back. He is going to re-equip. He is going to encourage. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In this place, desolate and without people or animals, In all its towns, there will again be pastures for shepherds to rest their flocks. 
in the towns of the hill country of the western foothills and the ne- of the Negev, in the territory of Benjamin, in the village around Jerusalem, and in the towns of Judah, flocks will again pass under the hand of the one who counts them, says the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. And that counts for you as well because you've been grafted in in exactly the same inheritance. His promise stands. God has not forgotten you. He has not hidden his face from you. And the enemy is not one. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that we stand in victory this morning, whether we feel it or not. We stand in a certain, sure victory. And so, Lord, I pray that this morning you would speak over everyone here in this room today and everyone of this fellowship who is not here today. You would speak life over them, that you would speak your healing over them, Lord God, that you would move in their lives. And even where there is sickness and even where there is poverty and even where there is anxiety and even where there are problems and difficult circumstances, even then you will reveal victory in and over our lives. Help us to trust you, God. And as we sing now, let that song rise in our hearts that is steadfast and sure, planted with a solid, sure anchor. And we know he will hold us fast. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.